I can't really imagine anything more amazing than looking around a room of a team that were busting their ass to help mm. me and as excited as I was about doing what I wanted to do, bringing better tea to more people. Welcome to another episode of Levitate with Ryan Nell. This is the show where we talk to people who are changing the world for good. This show is brought to you by Levitate. Levitate is a meditation and well-being company that helps individuals and companies to find calm, clarity and connection in a world that often feels chaotic. Support the show by supporting our sponsor and find out more at www. .levitate.london and please subscribe, rate and share this show. In today's episode, I chat to Emily Holmes, the founder of Good and Proper Tea. Recorded in November 2019, it's taken me eight months to get around to editing it and the world has changed a huge deal, not to mention the global pandemic. But amidst all this turmoil, what hasn't changed is the simple pleasure of a cup of tea. And what was I waiting for? This conversation was awesome. And I learned so much. We chat about starting a company, getting up at 4.30 in the morning, day in, day out, serving tea, come rain or shine from a converted van for 365 days in a row. We talk about clean eating, coffee culture, Emily's book, chock full of recipes for cooking with tea, cocktails with tea, and everything else to do with tea. We talk parenting tips, how to juggle running a company and running a toddler, the links between meditation and tea, and Emily's mission to bring better tea to more people. I love this conversation. I think you will too. I'm really, really excited to have Emily Holmes sitting right in front of me. Emily is a self-proclaimed tea fanatic. Well, actually, I'm just calling you a tea fanatic. I don't think I've read that online. Um, she's the founder and CEO of Good and Proper Tea. We actually, funnily, worked in the same ad agency quite a long time ago. Many uh, years ago. Many years ago. And I'm not sure if you'll remember this, but I asked a really cruel question when I was just kind of grabbed and told, oh, interview this woman, she's called Emily. We sat down together and I was unprepared. And I just said, if you weren't going for this job, what would be your dream job? What would you ideally do? And you already knew the answer. <laughs> and it was, I want tea to be on the same footing as coffee. And I don't understand why there's a million and one great coffee shops and coffee chains everywhere in the UK. We're famous for being British and being tea drinkers, but, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't really exist. Perhaps like a lot of people end up in the ad industry, you're kind of there because it's a good thing to do rather than because it's going to absolutely set your world on fire. So, you know, really, really thrilled to kind of have seen your career developing as good and property has gone from concept to being very, very real and successful. You did a Kickstarter, you converted a Citroen van, um, mm -hmm. you've now got a flagship tea bar in Clerkenwell. Uh, oh, and you're a published author. I am. Well, the book is... I think you might be the first person to have said that sentence, but I am. <laughs> and I get the sense that you're only just getting started. So I'll, I'll stop kind of listing off your CV. But, well, thank um... you for starting my career on Good Footing because you did hire me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could just start by, would you just give a bit of background, kind of where did you grow up? Um, sure. What kind of childhood did you have? What took you to this point? Um, so I was born in Paris which actually sounds, I love saying that, but actually I, I can't claim to be French, but I was born in Paris. My dad was a diplomat. Um, so much of my childhood was kind of quite nomadic. I was born in Paris. We then lived in the UK after that. We then mm. lived in India for four years, um, some of which I was at school in the UK, the very end of which, but some of which I was also at school in New Delhi. So I would go home in a rickshaw through very busy traffic in wow. Delhi. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think I was around five um, to nine when I was there. And that was a wonderful age to be in such a colorful place because I can remember every bit of it, um, you know, and kind of seeing elephants and, you know, it was just all so crazy. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, the bits I don't remember in my childhood are usually the bits when I was in grey London. Mm. <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> sort of all merged into one. Yeah. Um, but we came back to London after that. And um, I'm the youngest of three girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're much closer in age. So I was, you know, the little annoying one who was uh, wanting to do, be like them and do what they were doing. But I was much younger and it wasn't fair if I was allowed to do it yet. So, mm. um, so yeah, I was sort of looked up to them. And, and because when I was living in India, they were in England at school there. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this real sense of kind of, I really want to be 
I want to be back in England. I want to be a big school like they are. And so, yes, I'm sure that's sort of been formed part of me somehow Mm. in its way. Were you competitive between the the three of you? Yeah, I think we probably are. Three girls, three headstrong girls. But we're all quite different at the same time. So we have a lot in common and have a lot to share and therefore quite good friends. But we are all quite different characters. So You're competing on different fields. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's good. (laughs) But it's still, you know, it's still a healthy debate around the table when we're all there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, and then my dad's job ended up taking us back to Paris. We went to Lisbon. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I was fortunate enough to live in all sorts of extraordinary places, which, and I'm sure the stint in India had a, a big role to play in kind of my love of tea. Um, yeah. Obviously I'd been to tea estates, I'd seen pickers and growers and I'd seen kind of it all at origin and then subsequently drunk lots of it. Uh, so I'm sure that played a bit of a role, but also I think I'm sure it helped that I, I was always quite far from home or you know, mm. I ended up going to boarding school when they were abroad when I was a bit older. And I'm sure again, that sort of makes you independent in a sort of slightly unusual way. Um, I went to Bristol Uni Mm -hmm. um, and I studied French and Italian. So obviously, you know, I felt like my uh, nomadic roots meant I should do languages. And that, I mean, was again amazing because it meant I was able to spend my third year abroad, which of course is why everyone does a language degree. Um, And so I was able to spend half that third year in Paris working for a fashion magazine, which is hilarious because I mean, I didn't know anything about fashion and uh, somehow I ended up at Elle magazine. And then I was in Italy. So I was in Bologna and Milan, very different to the Paris experience, but Mm. equally wonderful. So I was very lucky to have those experiences and then have failed to use my languages ever since. So so I have limited tea vocabulary in French and Italian. Um, (laughs) So was Ogilvy, I'm sorry, because it's so long ago now, I I can't remember, you would have told me all of this in the interview, but um, was that your first job job? That was my first job job. Mm. Yeah, my year abroad had given me a little bit of a glimpse of real mm. life. But yeah, Ogilvy was my first job job. And as you rightly spotted in the interview, I had wanted to go straight from uni into running my own business because, you know, what do you need to know? You just go for it, right? Right. Um, I was sort of quite insistent that I wanted to have a boss. I basically wanted to know what I was good at and bad at and learn a little bit about my own skills really and what I need to learn and actually you know an advertising agency is not a wonderful place to kind of find your creative juices um you know we're surrounded by such talented Mm. people there and everyone from kind of designers to creatives and and just wonderful business people so actually it was a really good learning ground and I probably talked about it way more than I should have in taxis on the way to meetings with clients (laughs) (laughs) um and so actually probably you know kind of formulated all of my thoughts there um, and I love, and I did actually love it. I mean, I was put through my paces on a very difficult account and didn't see much of the light of day, but because mm. it was my first job, I thought mm. it was the coolest thing in the world. You know, it was firefighting. Um, yeah. Luckily, I didn't know any different. Um, <laughs> so I didn't know that evenings were a thing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so, uh, so no, I loved it, but I just always had this itch. I always had this kind of dream of doing the tea thing, as it was called, and eventually decided to get up and do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, you know, what what kind of, what gave you the confidence to to jump? I wish I knew. I think I actually really can't remember at all walking in one day and handing in my notice and saying that I was going to go off and write a business plan. Because I mean, that sounds terrifying. And I can't remember ever having the guts to do that. But I think I must have always just had this real like thing I really need to do. Mm. Um, and I also remember um, our the creative director at the time, I think had always been quite kind of interested and always asked me every time I saw him, you know, in the corridor in a meeting, he'd always asked me about it. And I remember obviously, you know, I'd said this since the beginning in the interview, as you know, and, you know, three years on, I was still, um, I was still there and I hadn't done anything about it. And, and I think I remember him saying something along the lines of, you know, um, something, something to do with, you know, you're only an entrepreneur if you actually go and do it. Right. (laughs) Um, And that jolted me to be like, actually, you're right. I need to just, crack on to it yeah um just give it a whirl and you know i mean obviously doing something now would be a lot scarier i think at the time you know in a way there wasn't a huge amount to be lost i'm not sure i did rationalize it as much as that but but in looking back i think oh that's terrifying but actually at the time what's the worst that could have happened really yeah um yeah so i i think i actually handed in my notice and said i'm going to I basically said i'm going to go down to four days a week so i was very lucky that ogilvy were very supportive and you know, I think they probably thought, you know, she just needs to get this out of her system. She'll just go and she'll probably do five days work in four days and then she'll yeah. she'll realise that she really doesn't <laughs> want to do it, set up a business after all. Um, but unfortunately, they, I mean, it was amazing that they let me do that. And I and I did that for a while while I kind of wrote my business plan um, and, and then eventually had enough of a plan to think, right, I just need to do it. 
Um, and I think the, the, the thing to answer kind of your question about what made you suddenly able to do it, I think I always say if anyone sort of says, how do you start a business or how do you have mm. the guts to start a business? Actually, you know, going from sitting at your kitchen table that first day to I'm running a business is way too big a jump to even get your head around. And actually it was, you know, behind the scenes on that one day a week, I was starting to kind of email paper cup supplier or tea farm or whoever it was and say, hello, I'd like to set up a business. And I was thinking, I'm, you know, I might need some cups. And so can you send me some samples of your cups? And basic things like that suddenly turned it into a reality because suddenly you're getting replies and people mm. take you seriously and you're getting cup samples. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's sort of a much more gradual, you know, before you know it, you're running a business rather than, um, you know, this big moment where you're throwing yourself yeah, in yeah, of um, course. Yeah. actually suddenly you've just got loads of cups at home right. <laughs> and loads of tea samples um and you know it just starts like that and kind of mm. runs away with itself so you don't have to think about it too much yeah because it happens yeah <laughs> you bought a van with help from kickstarter or that's sort of like initial band of supporters so no i used or... my savings to buy the van mm-hmm. um and uh, which was a very old 1974 Citroen H van, yeah. which had, and actually sort of still does have kind of wildlife growing in the windows. <laughs> it's right, kind of got yeah. a real, um, uh-huh. uh, inside, outside. Um, mm. And and it was the Kickstarter project was to convert it into the T-bar. Oh, yeah. So I had the van yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. and then I need to actually turn it into something that could, could operate as a tea shop essentially. So that was what I put on Kickstarter, which I think, you know, the, the fact that it was a van that was going to be converted, I'm sure kind of was what captured people's imagination a little yeah. bit because had a bit of character to it. Yeah, um, for sure. And actually everyone's, all my Kickstarter backers' names are still on the back of the van. So hmm. um, they're all, they're all there. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is fun. What were the early years like? I mean, what were the initial Very successes? And what, yeah, yeah. You, I imagine you spent a lot of time in that I van. I spent a lot of time in the van. I think um, I thought I was going to be in the van for about, you know, six months and then mm. I'll open the first of many tea bars, you know. <laughs> um, uh, in reality, I was in the van at least for the first 365 days. Um, and it was only me. So obviously I was I was in the van serving the tea and then I was going home and making the cakes. Yeah. And doing whatever admin and ordering and all that kind of thing I needed to do. And then getting up and doing the whole thing again. In fact, I had the van was in a, I was so terrified about the van being broken into that I had the van in a lockup in Allgate, which is sort of quite a a really weird dark street, basically around the back of Allgate um, station. And which actually, I don't think I go on there on my own now, but I did sort of 4.30 in the morning, I would get on the tube and go to Allgate with all the builders. It was only builders on the tube at that time. Oh my God. The first train. Yeah. And I go to Allgate, go to this lockup, get out my van, put all the cakes and carrying my brownies on the train. Yeah. Um, And I would then drive the van to King's Cross where I had a pitch outside the station and open the hatch and serve my teas (laughs) and then go and do the whole thing in reverse. But, you know, it was so exciting because it was, you know, I was, I'd been sitting in a desk for three years and suddenly I was out in the fresh air and I was with customers and people. I mean, it was street food was a kind of emerging trend at the time. And I was lucky enough to be surrounded by market traders basically. And there is no greater community and sense of community i mean everyone helped everyone and it was just such a wonderful thing to be part of mm. and everyone was so supportive and we fed in water each other and it, you know it was just a nice community so actually that made it a lot less probably would have been quite lonely if i'd just been sitting there and you know on rainy days on my own yeah, you know, right. kind of no one walking past right. um you know which there were plenty of moments like that but i was definitely part of something a little bit bigger than me which was which was very nice and probably mm. quite important and, and i suppose the other massive benefit of doing that was you're getting like daily feedback from customers i mean real life sort of what was working what wasn't and what needs to change yeah definitely i called it proof of concept the van was obviously a low cost of entry way of starting that business i.e having a t-bar but it was also meant to be sort of proof of concept in reality obviously it's completely different running a street food van than it is to to running a a site but but certainly in terms of what teas people were ordering what people were willing to pay what people Mm. were interested in how long people were willing to wait there were loads of learnings and um you know, even silly things like, you know, if you put three beautiful brownies on a plate, you will sell nowhere near as many. They'll look beautiful, but you'll sell nowhere near as many as you put a big tower of yummy brownies. Yeah. <laughs> um, because people, you know, buy abundantly in abundant, you know, there's, there's just all sorts of funny things you learn and people love to queue. So if you, you know, if you have a queue, then it breeds a queue. Um, and uh, so there's all that sorts of... That feels very British, but I wonder yeah. if it's... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. We do love a good queue. We just love a yeah. queue. If, if someone hasn't got a queue, you just think, well, it's obviously not very good. Why is no one there? Yeah. 
<laughs> um, so no, it was really, it was really, really important learning uh, time. And also um, I just met so many amazing people, you know, customers, people I was working with, traders, you know, I mean, at King's Cross at the time, King's Cross, I don't know if you've been recently, but it's obviously completely transformed. It's and I was crazy. there when it was yeah. just builders and kind of um, offices that would come through. And it was such an exciting thing because it was like they were putting up all these amazing buildings and, you know, Google, you know, the the kind of UK head of Google would wander past and chat over a cup of tea to me about the fact that they were about to put their new office there. And you kind of, you know, you had a real yeah. early sense yeah. of what was going on. And then now it's all there, which is kind of amazing. And whenever I go back, I just think it's so funny to think my little van used to be in the middle of this That's kind of wild. desert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, met so many people that are still valuable people now. And actually, just purely by being part of street food, actually probably got a lot of, you know, eyeballs on the brand that actually I would never have been able to get in a different way. Yeah. So being part of a kind of collective and a community, I think, was probably a very good platform. And Twitter. <laughs> Twitter at yeah. the time, which I'd never even log into our Twitter now, I have to say. So yeah. no one tweet me. Um, but um, but Twitter at the time was massively influential because you could have so much more influence. I suppose social media would be the same thing mm. now, but but Instagram wasn't there then, believe it or not. But um, you would tweet saying that we're here at this event or we're here at this market or we're here doing this thing. And it didn't really matter whether anyone, thousands of people were there or not, but you were telling thousands of people that you were there. And therefore you were, again, you were just much bigger than your actual footprint because you were kind of yeah. shouting about whatever it was you were doing. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes it was true and sometimes it was just you sitting in the van and it was pouring rain, but, um, <laughs> but that was kind of fine. <laughs> that was just how it worked. I think there's a, there's a lot of that, isn't there? That sort of, Fake it till you make it. I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. No, yeah. I mean, you know, it's always got to be honest, but I think, yeah. um, you yeah. know, saying loving being here and it's you know we've got delicious cakes on the counter and you know here's a photo of someone drinking tea you know there's nothing untrue about that no. they just might have been the only person that walked right. past that right. last hour right you've got to work um, with what you've got exactly yeah. you work with what you've got yeah. so no there was there is always a bit of that yeah but at the time that was kind of a just a, a helpful megaphone <laughs> yeah for sure for sure yeah how do you connect with people now actually i'm interested to know so well social media Twitter, obviously good riddance yeah yeah um, well i don't know if i've officially done that i just you know, just, just one too many. Yeah. I think customers come in every platform, you know, we talk to them through all of them. And actually the T-Bar is obviously a really amazing thing that's kind of allowed us to have very direct, again, that very direct feedback with our customers. And we now supply kind of cafes and restaurants and hotels um, with our teas, which is the newest bit, but actually also the fastest growing bit of business, which is so exciting. Yeah. And I think I didn't ever really realize how exciting that would be, but actually because we've worked with customers and we know them so well, suddenly being able to talk about someone else's menu or you know how they should interact with them or how they should price the tea or what teas they should have on the menu is it's so natural to us because we've done it so much uh that actually we love doing it because all these amazing spaces come in such different shapes and sizes and they've all got a different challenge which is, you know the, their customers only come at this time or they've got a tiny bit of counter space or whatever it might be and we just have to help them deliver the best possible tea experience yeah. but in that funny brief yeah um, and they all they're all very different so it's quite a fun challenge a lot of my favourite cafes. I'll see your tea there, and oh, good. Um, good, yeah, good. get a little kick out of it. Yeah, um, is 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 there still a thrill for you? I mean, I guess you know where you're stopped. So it's yeah, less I do, I do. Although every it. now and again, it, yeah. it catches you unawares because my team are doing great things and they're moving faster yeah. than I'm able to keep track. No, absolutely. I mean, it's really exciting and most exciting actually. Things like you saying that, or like my friends saying, like, yeah, I just walked into my cafe and you were in there. Yeah. Um, so that's really exciting. You know, you, there's always there's still always an anxiety of like, oh god, did it look okay? And did the tea taste good? <laughs> it, was mm -hmm. it was everything as it should have been but I think that's probably always going to be there so yeah um, but no I mean it's super weird in a way I was actually in a restaurant the other day having dinner and I had absolutely no idea that we supplied this restaurant and my team would have known but I didn't know and yeah. by chance and we turned over the menu after the main course and there it was and it was written on the menu and I was like what and I was this cool restaurant that I was in and I was having such a nice time and the food was amazing and yeah. I was just thinking <laughs> cool so no go team Yay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. um obviously the, the beauty of this model you're in you're in all these cafes well cafes have more primarily been about coffee and cake and, you know and tea yeah i feel like they're starting to up their tea game why do you think it was in the first place that even though we are this nation of tea drinkers, coffee seems to have had the top billing for quite a while. Well, it did used to be the other way around. It's kind of done a full um, a full flip and hopefully we're trying to work it you know, back into balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, coffee has done amazing things. And I think people who work 
in coffee would probably explain it a lot better than I will, but there've been what they call first wave, second wave, third wave in coffee and places like Starbucks basically played a really important role in all of that because actually, mm. of course, they were the first people to have like sacks of beans by the till and, you know, shaking people into realizing that this was coming from a bean and it was, you know, there's a picture of a coffee farm on the on the walls and all those things that now are cliches you know at the time yeah. were actually quite new the kind of cats free um, education almost definitely doing that um, yeah. i mean they called it kind of the third place it was the first place between a home and an office was a place to go to starbucks and it was kind of a you go and you get this extraordinary drink that came out yeah. of a hissing whirring coffee machine and a barista was making it and you had no idea what they did but you definitely couldn't do it at home and it was exciting and therefore i'm going to pay for it so i think it started with that and then obviously where we are now in london which is so far along since then has just been kind of incremental improvements and and now there's a kind of an amazing melting pot of things happening at once which has helped tea hugely but also is obviously thanks to coffee and also helped coffee as well, along as well which is people care more about where everything comes from so provenance you know yeah. whether it's their bread their milk anything people care about where it comes from the kind of pursuit of flavor people are just way more into if I'm going to have a one beer, I, you know, instead of having five watery beers, I now want one really delicious craft beer that tastes of, mm. you know, lots of hoppy, wonderful flavor. And those things all translate very neatly into coffee and tea. So coffee kind of people are interested in getting a better cup of coffee, but more importantly than any of these things in coffee, particularly as people are addicted to it. It is a very, very amazing functional reliance that people have on it um yeah. and it's a fantastic business model you know you you need one in the morning or you believe you need one and you're addicted to having one in the morning mm. you then crash and you need another one to get you back up there yeah. and we love the frothy milk experience as well and actually it's amazing when you learn that there are lots and lots of people who obviously love the flavor of coffee and, and are really interested that it's a washed ethiopian whatever it might be yeah, yeah. um but also a lot of people that actually just really want something that's very milky and creamy and indulgent and velvety and delicious. And that's very powerful. So now coffee having been very popular is helping tea because people care more about what's in their cups. So actually tea being rubbish, a bit like, again, fever tree, good tonic. You can't have all these good gins and bad tonic or really good wine and really terrible beer. Yeah, You know, in a way it's kind of obvious. But when I started, you'd walk into a cafe and there would be amazing coffee that they'd write you know all over the menu that these baristas have been mm -hmm. trained for years and then terrible tea sitting next to it that was just kind of plonked in front of you so yeah, yeah. um so it you know and we're so far from there you know even coffee you step up second outside of london you realize mm -hmm. that actually we're in a bubble here do you see yourself as being in a like a, a second wave of tea certainly since i started as i say we've come such a long way and actually it's such an exciting space to be in now yeah. whereas at the beginning it was kind of like you know trying to sell salad when everyone else was selling burgers you know it felt like you know selling tea and actually tea was this kind of unusual other drink mm -hmm. um whereas now actually if you talk to people in coffee they're super excited about tea you know they're really excited about having a really equally good tea offering and and kind of program even they'll start to call it around there uh, alongside their coffee and it kind of needs to start there before you know it will filter down into everything else so it's a yeah. really exciting and i'm very excited to see where it will go but also tea is I mean, as we all know, and I'm sure we'll touch on today, tea has got such an amazingly versatile platform for so many things. You know, not only does it tie in with mindfulness, which is obviously a kind of almost counter coffee movement, which is, yeah. um, it is a very calming, mindful thing and making a cup of tea is very mindful. So there's that. There's also just a clean eating and clean health. You know, tea has absolutely mm. naturally always been natural and completely clean label. There's no nasties in it. And all of those things kind of feed into it. And then just as, as I said, this kind of desire for quality and flavor. So that's all still relatively new and everything just happens much slower than you you know expect. And, and I don't think there is some one lightning bolt moment where suddenly everyone starts upping their tea game, but it's amazing <laughs> when you look back over the last six years, how much it's changed. So yeah. I'm very excited to see what the next six years will look like, but I'm sure it will involve things like iced tea and cold brews and, and generally just seeing better tea around. And more herbals. Everyone loves herbals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think especially, if, obviously, if you're trying to avoid caffeine, yeah. then it's suddenly something like peppermint just comes, comes yeah. right into play. Yeah, um, yeah. And now for a short message from our sponsor. If you or someone you know is struggling with stress, isolation, overthinking, or burnout, or some kind of combination of the lot, why not try meditation? You may have heard it's difficult to do, especially if you go it alone but it doesn't have to be that way. A good teacher can bring it to life and help you start the practice of a lifetime. You can find out more at www.levitate.london, the place where we teach people with busy minds how to find calm, clarity and connection 
in a world that can often feel chaotic. That's www.levitate.london. And now, back to the show. I do you want to say that, that kind of that interesting concept around clean eating you, you just touched on? So obviously a, a tea is about as unadulterated as you get. Do you ever go to source and kind of visit where the tea is being grown? Or like, how, yeah. how does that whole process work? Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, uh, I have to say, I thought when I started the business, I'd spend 99% of my time on tea farms. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it hasn't quite played <laughs> no. out that way. Sure. But um, no, that's really important. And the truth is, it's very nuanced because we source from 13 growing regions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have everything from kind of wonderful relationships where we interact with or visit a farm's specifically and have mm. a wonderful relationship with them and actually have some of them even have done for the last seven years and we've sourced them every year and we have others that we're still kind of finding our way with the relationship but we have sort of certain parameters we have in place which make sure that we are paying a fair price buying from mm. people that we share values with that the integrity of the leaf has been protected and manufactured in a certain way the quality and kind of control is there so there's all sorts of things that we've kind of put in place to manage our own supply chain and we sort of had to do that because using certain credentials only doesn't necessarily help because they they're so nuanced all these places and all these growing regions so we sort of use those to help but actually we almost have had to create a framework of our own and it's actually always is slightly imperfect and we're kind of evolving it as we go and Mm. learning a lot and actually this last year has been really interesting we've kind of working with some really interesting people on kind of making that better but in answer to your question about Mm. clean eating sorry um Mm. it is completely clean and unadulterated there's there's, i can't remember what the word is but there's a kind of real um trend at the moment for like uh, a label that's got like the least possible ingredients on you know when you look on the back and it you know in the old days it would be so super long you know e-numbers and all sorts of things and no one even looked at the back whereas now the holy grail is being able to sort of see you know ginger and water yeah and tea and and our ingredients labels just say tea um so so no it is and and we're you know as a business we are very much more interested in kind of enjoying a really good and flavorsome cup of tea more than we are going to say this is going to make your hair shiny or this is going to make you feel great or this is going to make your gut health better you know we're we're not the brand that will tell you all the functional health benefits but there's needless to say there is extraordinary kind of healthy and mindful and and wonderful things that come from experiencing tea so i feel very lucky that it sits there even though that's not what we necessarily encourage people to drink it for yeah 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 um i think life's too short so just let's just enjoy the tea (laughs) yeah right right yeah i heard i think it's the founder of pip and nut chatting the other Mm. day and sort of saying you know obviously there's healthy eating and there's functional eating but at some point there's a danger it strays into unhealthy again because your mental health is slightly suffering if it's like you have a slice of cake and your whole body image just falls apart yeah. or then you need radical fasting to sort yeah. that out so. or you buy mistakey to whole jar of her peanut butter because it's so good yes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> which i would never have done if i hadn't bought this healthy peanut butter yeah right um uh, <laughs> yes no i mean it, it absolutely can go too far and obviously we don't we're not a food brand so we don't have to worry as much about those mm. things but i get great pleasure from sitting in the tea bar and looking around the room and seeing it full of people sitting down and having a pot of tea yeah um not only because that's exciting because you know that's always been a dream but also because quite often it will be people on their own who've come in and they might have a book and they're a lawyer and they've come in Mm. and they're just having a quick lunch break and they're having a moment and you think you're kind of nailing it like you're actually you're kind of finding your happy moment and your happy place and you're taking a bit a bit of time and i feel like again it there's so much stuff around that Mm. that that it's kind of almost overwhelming but anyone that can stop for a minute or sort of find a nice pleasurable activity for a minute in their day, I think is kind of doing something right. Doing yeah. Something quite healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way you, you're giving people time back with a cup of tea. I mean, there's, yeah. there's something about, there's no way you can kind of speed drink a cup of tea without burning your lips. No, you. no. And actually, um, I mean, it, it's, it matters a bit less now we're in the tea bar, but when we're in the van, I always found it quite amusing, but one of the barriers obviously was that we, you know, we would brew the tea properly. So it would take up to three minutes to brew. Yeah. And so we did all sorts of things to kind of, you know, we basically had to decide either we were going to try and speed things up or we were actually going to encourage people to slow down. Yeah. And the latter is a much harder challenge because mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously you're never going to change, you know, the whole population's behavior. But what we ended up doing was that we would do a couple of things like you could tweet your order when you were coming out of King's Cross Station. And actually, by the time you got there, we would have the tea ready. And that mm-hmm. was kind of, little 
gimmick in a way just to kind of allow that brew time to be part of their journey yeah, um we also had a news while it brews quiz which i would do every morning which actually hilariously my friend was living in kazakhstan mm. at the time and he's therefore he'd read the news before everyone else had woken up so he would design a quiz based on the day's news <laughs> for me and i would oh, put it on my great. chalkboard that's every amazing. day um <laughs> Anyway, so what we were trying to do essentially was almost trying to slightly reframe time because mm. a bit like, in fact, Roy Sutherland, who you all know exactly what I'm yeah. talking about, talks about the Eurostar example. I'm sure you've heard him talk about where he says, you know, they spent millions or billions probably pounds um, or euros on on speeding up the Eurostar by like 10 minutes. And actually they should have just made the experience so much better that everyone wanted to be on it for 10 minutes longer because it was such a great experience and they had, you know, really attractive waiting staff or they had, you know, whatever it was that made the experience better. Um, (laughs) So actually I think, you know, we've stopped kind of, obviously we need to have good convenient service, but we've Mm. stopped trying to mimic coffees, hand it over in two seconds and be out the door and kind of just be at one with the fact that it's just slightly slower experience. And hope that people well, and people have hopefully found something different and nice in that. That's beautiful. You did also you briefly referenced mindfulness earlier. Obviously, mm. I'm a big fan. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what I do. Haven't talked about it now. Uh, yeah, but um, are you a meditator yourself? I am. I, I absolutely love it and find it incredibly helpful. But I'm probably very typical in the sense that I go to it when I'm at my most stressed. Yeah, and do it for a bit talk to everyone about how incredible it is and how it's cured me and then forget to do it again for a while until I next have a breaking <laughs> right. point. Um, right. But, but yes. And I'm, you and, and everyone I, else. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. But yes, I use an app and I do 10 to 15 minute sessions yeah. at the beginning of my day when I'm doing it, when yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I do, I tend to find that people that come to the classes, I like to do it. Put your hands up. If you're meditating for the first time, well, always get a couple of hands. That's gratifying. Yeah. And then if I do this sort of, you know, who who here's a crisis meditator, and then you've got to kind of unpack what that is. Yeah, no one thinks yeah. of themselves as a crisis meditator, <laughs> but it's like, do you do it when you're stressed? And then forget yeah. about it in between. It's everyone's hand in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to keep going when life's good because um, it doesn't really feel like it's doing anything. Yeah. That's the truth of it. And, you know, unlike, say, the experience of drinking a nice cup of tea, whether you needed it as a de-stress or not, it tastes good regardless. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 maybe that's true. Well, that's why they go hand in hand very nicely. Yeah, they um, do, they do. But um, I always find it fascinating that it is so it's a bit like exercise you know no one does gets to the end of a run and goes god i wish i didn't do that i feel awful you always think oh my god i feel amazing right <laughs> i'm gonna do this every day um <laughs> and yet you don't um, how, how quick we are to forget right? exactly exactly yeah. You're like this endorphin high is so amazing why am i not addicted to it and why don't i want to do it tomorrow right. but i find it the same in meditation when i get really stressed and overwhelmed it's usually because i've got a million tabs open in my head and i'm mm-hmm. completely can't really breathe because i don't know which one I'm doing. And it almost always takes that form. And meditating, I find literally like putting the brakes on and slowly I'm just only looking at one tab at a time. And I genuinely feel it in the day. I'll feel much better. Yeah. But yet still, I forget that it's there to help me Mm. and and have to remind myself to go back. So. And it feels like I actually haven't thought about this before, but given that we are chatting about tea and meditation in the same, the same conversation, I'm excited. It does feel like that there's there's such an overlap in the the cultures that we're into mm. tea drinking. Yeah, yeah, and and they a- absolutely do come hand in hand yeah. in those cultures. Yeah, you know the tea ceremony. I'm assuming you're referencing kind of Japanese. I'm thinking tea ceremonies from J- Japan. Yeah, Zen and culture. The, um, yeah, the relationship with tea in, in yeah. India and um, yeah, yeah. And across that whole region. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean tea um, is absolutely a very well, kind of at the heart almost of of some yeah. of those meditation practices and, and routines. And actually the process of making tea is almost a meditative routine that children are taught and they actually, you know, hours and hours of training and indeed hours of doing it um, are part of the process. Tea houses in Japan are kind of these yeah. incredibly beautiful, calm spaces where they sit and have tea. And there is actually an amazing thing in tea, which not very many people know, which is caffeine in tea. So there's naturally occurring caffeine in tea and coffee, Mm -hmm. but in tea, alongside the caffeine, there is also a natural amino acid called L-theanine. And um, L-theanine not only slows down the release of caffeine, um, which is why you get, if if you were sort of staying up all night writing Mm -hmm. an essay, you should actually drink green tea because it will kind of drip feed you caffeine rather than giving you a super awake high i can write my right, essay and then a crash, crash yeah. so it will give you a sustained high which again is why 
monks use matcha to meditate. Mm. You know, they'll kind of stay on the sustained jitter-free high. But L-theanine also has a calming properties as well. So it kind of, there is actually science behind the fact that tea is kind of this right. calming yet alert making product. So it is actually, yeah. I mean, matcha therefore, which is where you're consuming the leaf and the liquor, it matches the kind of fine green tea powder and you, you're almost drinking a shot and you're, you're consuming the leaf, which is dissolved, is just like a supercharged cup of tea because of that. And it really is a wonder. I mean, yeah. what, what was the word that everyone called every product under the sun last year or two years ago? Sort of superfood. Superfoods, yeah. <laughs> superfoods. I mean, it couldn't. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's like the definition of a superfood. It's kind of like it's got these incredible, incredible properties, and one of which is that you have this incredible alertness mm. and heightened memory and <clears throat> heightened kind of yeah awareness, which is pretty cool. It's funny how I think often, yeah, each superfood as it gets announced or people start just munching char seeds like there's no tomorrow, <laughs> you know, wh- whatever you're into. They seem to have also been in food cultures for a very, very long time, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like we're, kind of, <laughs> we're catching up because now it's like, yeah. oh, the science says that it does actually work. Yeah. But obviously these previous you know, generations and cultures knew that perfectly well yeah, yeah. without the science. Yeah, um, no, exactly. All right. So I, I could talk about that forever and, and probably also <laughs> the fact that coffee culture in, in you know, Turkey and, uh, and places like Italy are probably reasons that, you know, no meditative culture really emerged from there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they stand up drinking yeah, their coffee. Yeah, so. I'm just speculating. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to kind of come back to what you're setting out to do. Obviously, you've come such distance to get to this point from doing 365 days plus <laughs> In a, in a van, in the rain, in King's Cross. Um, where do you see it going next? And, and what are you most proud of Such a difficult question. today? Yeah. What am I most proud of? I think what I'm most proud of, in fact, I remember really strangely one family holiday, someone that was with us on holiday said, what would be the thing that you would really love to happen and be able to look back on proudly? And I always remember saying, I can't really imagine anything more amazing than looking around a room of a team that were busting their ass to help Mm. me and as excited as I was about doing what I wanted to do, which was bringing more better tea to more people. Yeah. And that's happened. And I now look at my team and I'm just like, God, it's just epic. And they're just so good and they're so great and they're so passionate. And I, Mm. and that makes you feel incredibly proud and, um, and fortunate to have these people that kind of, you know, somehow believe in the same idea and, and are desperate to make it happen. Um, yeah. That's incredibly proud making, if that's a word. And also, actually, I forget, but every time I walk into the tea bar, I feel, and particularly in the evening, we quite often have workshops or events in the evening. Mm. And those are always pretty magical. There's always a kind of real, whoa, I must remember to take this in somehow, because you don't. I remember when we first opened the shop or we had the third birthday of the tea bar or something. And you sort of arrive and it's just kind of another thing on your day. And you've, you've had a really weird day of doing a million different meetings yeah. and you turn up and you and complete and someone says, God, you must be so proud. And you're like, uh, yeah, I guess. I haven't really thought about that. I've just thought about the fact that I've just arrived and I've got to right. do this or the just lights are right. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually it's such a bad way of being, you know, you have to remember to stop and take it in. And I'm really bad at that. But every now and again, I have these kind of magic moments in the tea bar and I think, cool yeah. it's like a whole load of people all drinking different colored pots of tea and they're all sitting around having a nice time and they have no idea that i'm watching them thinking cool um <laughs> so that's pretty cool in terms of what we want to do i mean i'm very ambitious with it because i feel like there's just so much to go after and so much opportunity still and actually i feel i mean i don't know whether i probably would have said this every year but you sort of feel always like there's just such momentum now and and it feels like you've got wind in your sails so that suddenly makes it feel even more exciting because you kind of think you know i don't know where the next bit's gonna kind of come from at the moment we are focusing on the kind of b2b side so Mm -hmm. kind of supplying the cafes and the restaurants and the hotels just because it's such an exciting opportunity and it's you know we've got real value to add there which is really exciting and it's great as i said working with all these different people and helping them do it better but we also are very excited about kind of customers at home and helping them have better tea, but also kind of hopefully enjoy their tea experience a little bit better at home. And yeah, the whole point is always that it's supposed to be very accessible. It's not supposed to take yourself too seriously. So it's just about hopefully having a yummy cup of tea at the end of the day. But um, but uh, but <laughs> yeah, I like that you said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully there are lots of people still having less yummy cups of tea at home. Mm. So there's lots lots to do there. So there's. Yeah, you know, we want to work with more and more people and we want to grow and, you know, would love to even do it beyond the UK. So um, one day, 
but uh, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, do you have to sometimes kind of pinch yourself when you, you know, and when you look back and just go, bloody hell, I can't believe it's here. I've got a, well, I've again, got a team, I forget I've got a to do that. Yeah, yeah. I forget to do that because you're always worrying about the particular bit you're in. Yes. Um, or yeah. about the next bit. So that's a very good discipline that I should be better at. Um, so it requires usually someone else saying something and you're kind of going, yeah, actually, yeah, that is kind of cool. Or, you know, something like reading an old business plan or reading an old email and you're thinking, God, that's so funny. Mm. <laughs> I didn't know what we were doing then. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, so I don't, I don't have to pinch myself, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, there's lots to be proud of. So, yeah. um, but yeah, and lots more hard work ahead, I'm sure. Oh, well, it, it, you know, it, ain't that the truth? Um, and hopefully the hard work doesn't finish because then, you know, what would you be doing with yourself? Right. I don't know. I don't know if I know Drinking how to function. Tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had good training and advertising there. Yeah. Too, so, yeah. um, luckily I've never known what it's like to take it easy. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and then uh, t tell us about the book. So um, is is it out? It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a month. It's been out a month. Okay. Um, which is beyond surreal. Yeah. Um, and very impostery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you mean it makes you feel like an imposter? A total yeah. imposter. Yeah. Um, there's been nothing more imposter inducing. Yeah. Um, uh, down the book but no it was it was very exciting and really fun to write and you know it's not like I wrote a novel it was a book about all the things that I you know get excited about every day so it's just now I've got over the imposter of it existing and I can touch it without feeling really weird right um I uh I now feel really excited that it exists just purely because it's such a great asset to have to be able to kind of share all those things that we kind of know in our heads and in the team's heads but mm. we've never collated and, you know, I'm lucky enough that someone's turned it into a beautiful thing for me. So it's now beautiful photography and, you know, yeah. bound together in a very nice way. So, no, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. It's kind of half lots of tea knowledge and, and mm. you know, how to kind of understand a bit more about tea, where it's from, about origin, flavor, um, how to brew it better. So that's kind of just dipping into tips and tricks, I guess, for how to make a better cup of tea at home. And then also just yummy things like tea cocktails and iced teas and oh wow, yeah. cakes and tea ice cream and lots of yummy things. Yeah, because I saw, <laughs> I think um, the subtitle mentioned food as well. It yeah. Was a, yeah. I can never actually remember the subtitle, I'm afraid. It was a bit of a well, now I can't remember it either. <laughs> um, I had it something just, yeah. like how to brew, it includes cook with tea at the end. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So it was the, very hard to come Because I, I, I never thought about that. Um, yeah. What what can you what can you cook? So with tea? tea is basically just a really great ingredient. Mm. Um, so cocktail balm and love it because it's a great kind of botanical for cocktails. Um, yeah. So there's plenty of scope in that, and iced teas I guess are a similar thing. And in terms of kind of baking, bakers love baking with tea because you can obviously just infuse flavour into uh, yeah. whatever you're making. So yeah. everything from kind of um, so we've got a Yunnan and orange polenta cake. Yunnan's a really nice smoky black mm. tea with polenta. Uh, an orange, which is delicious. I've also got matcha as a great ingredient. I'm sure everyone's Instagram feeds are clogged with green cakes, which is matcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hasten to add that the you know powerful health benefits of matcha are slightly different when you're eating them in sort of a large cake, but um, <laughs> people love to eat them anyway. Sure. Um, yeah. And rooibos and vanilla ice cream. I mean, there's lots of different oh, wow. things in there. Yeah. So it's just quite a fun ingredient. One thing well, that's I'm not in there, which is... adding it to my cooking then. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. you must, you must. Well, what's not in there? Someone was telling me the other day about how obviously you can use jasmine tea to infuse rice or yeah. um, using black tea as a meat rub. And there are lots of like yummy things that you can do. Mm. You probably just need to get a bit creative with it. I mean, they're basically just really good ingredients. So you can kind of make it up. If you know the tea, you can just give it a whirl. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm keen to get your take on, I was in Paris last weekend and there's nice. a New Zealand who set up a coffee shop but the star on the menu so far not unusual not, not so <laughs> unusual yeah exactly but the star on the menu was a, a very dirty chai latte oh yeah so like the very dirty is like a shot of espresso that's yeah. dropped into the bottom of this chai latte have, yeah. have you come across that yeah before? yeah yeah I have I have um it's exactly what you just described yeah. <laughs> um, do you do you approve or is that some kind of sacrilege to no like i in? i i don't disapprove of anything um <laughs> I, I think in tea you have to be incredibly open-minded because you know you can only ever recommend because british tea drinkers will do what they do yeah um you know the milk and sugar is always put somewhere private 
<laughs> people can do their thing. Yeah. But no, chai is great fun. There's, a, there's actually a recipe for chai mix, dry chai mix or mm. chai lattes in the book. And chai is great. It's even better when you have a really good black Assam tea in there, yeah. which makes it really nice and malty. But yeah, I guess that's a brilliant way to add the caffeine kick that you might want from a coffee, right. but put it into chai latte form. So um, <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're all good. People like them. That's all that matters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here, here. Now going to start start wrapping up but I, I just wanted to ask say i know that you're the mum of an 18 year old boy not 18 year old sorry 18 months old yeah 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 well i got the number right um, 18 year yeah. old i mean that would be terrifying right right you would have um, start really really young um, <laughs> 18 month old so 18 month old um how is that juggling it uh, you know with being a ceo and founder and running a team and sounds and, so and fancy when you say ceo i never call myself a ceo I always say founder just because it sort of right. I feel like covers a million things. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> CEO, but like, I am the CEO by default, but um, uh, it just sounds so grown up. Um, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does. Who are we trying to impress? I right? know, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, me, I like it. Um, uh, how is juggling it? God, I wish I knew, I wish I had anything wise to say. I had a, a chat with a friend last night at an mm. event and she's a mother of two. And, you know, we both reflected on how hilarious and evolving juggling act it is where you're permanently feel like you're working towards perhaps uh, a mythical end goal of balance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's not a real aspiration. And we just need to stop doing that and just get through each day. <laughs> um, but um, no, I mean, I, I absolutely love being a mum. I was, mm. you know, over the moon to be pregnant and and very excited. And he's completely wonderful. Um, he's called Oscar. Mm. Um, and it's just been the most amazing thing to have something to think about that's not tea as well. And no, he's great fun. He's a complete maniac. And um, as apparently young boys are. Yeah. Um, so he has a lot of energy. So he keeps me very busy as well. My husband and I are busy. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it's 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 very tough because any, you know, I already put 100% into the business and suddenly you've got to give another 100% to someone else and obviously everyone else in your life that you might need to give some to. Yeah, um, right. So it is really difficult because you are passionate about your business, but you also, you know, you can't give 100% 100%. So it's a really difficult thing um, where you're always going to slightly have to rob from one or the other. But I feel very lucky that I work quite close to home and mm. I feel like I get to see him a lot and yet don't actually have to compromise too much on on the business and i think the one perk of running your business as a mom is that you know, obviously i can drop everything to be with him and i can you know i can kind of make it up as i go along so if for some yeah. one day he needs me there or i want to just spend the day with him then i can do that so you know there, there are some perks even if you know your head might be full of a million more things than you'd like it to be sometimes yeah um yeah uh so no it's definitely a battle a daily battle mm. um but working it out yeah <laughs> it's probably it's probably as good as it's gonna get yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, yeah my my parents who are they're in their 70s now they say you know the job never ends you know yeah i bet <laughs> i bet which would don't be very tell, depressing. Tell young parents. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it's kind of the advice you were giving earlier on about, you know, if you if you go into opening a business, kind of going like, um, I've got to now create. I now have to create a whole juggernaut of a business. Yeah. Then um, you're going to be too terrified to yeah. actually do the thing. Yeah, so yeah. all you can really do is just exactly. keep on putting just one make foot it up as you go along. Fake it yeah, till we exactly, make it. <laughs> we <exactly. might. laughs> just got to make it. That's all. Yeah, right, um, right. So, uh, so, yeah, no, but it's great. And actually, again, like there's a whole lovely other support community mm. and like people who have children in business and actually, you know, we've all been through the same thing of like, you know, whoa, this yeah. is intense. <laughs> um, so, uh, so it's good. There's lots of people to talk to and laugh about it with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And has, has Oscar tried his first tea yet? Yeah. He actually obviously sees me drinking so much tea that he mimics me. And if there's ever a mug lying around, oh, yeah. he downs it. So I have to be very careful. I don't leave hot cups um hot unfinished cups or very <laughs> caffeinated cups but yeah a little bit of warm rooibos yeah um which actually in south africa i think they do give to young children um yeah exactly exactly thinking ahead what do you want to pass on to oscar lessons from your life so far god it's so that's such a good question i don't think i've been asked it yet i mean they're all the cliches really aren't they they're all the things that you didn't do <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and that make you sound very old because you sort of say, you know, just don't, you know, you think, God, I hope he doesn't worry as much as I did right. you know, when nothing really mattered or... You know, I hope he is just realizes that being kind is all that really matters. You know, all that there's so many cliches that you sort of think you worry through your first 30 years of life and think, God, I could have worried for at least half less of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, but I mean, obviously, it's very hard not to mention the environment, which obviously, you know, you feel very uh, passionate when you have um, a child thinking about, you know, what that might look like. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, he will have been born into an era of people caring a lot more and understanding what's at stake and, and, you know, from the outset, not doing certain things that we might've done and not realize they were wrong, but I think, it's, time will I think tell. it's happening. I think it is. I think it is. Um, um you know, yeah. certainly we're already better than our parents and, and hopefully there will be, um, you know, I think my, my six year old niece is already passionately talks about kind of rainforests and palm oil. So, yeah. um, you know, I can't answer half the questions she asks. So um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they will be all much more considered than than we were in that respect. But but no, I don't know. Just don't worry too much. That probably be my, my biggest yeah. advice to anyone younger than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful advice, actually, to to finish on. Don't worry so much. Don't it's worry so much. Okay, I know, right? I know. But I need to take my own advice still. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I want to just say just what an enormous pleasure this interview's been, actually. Oh, it's so fun you. to you know catch up Likewise. over... I think I actually like I think it might be after 10 years or nine years yeah, it like, might it's be, about that long so since terrifying. I left that job so um <laughs> yeah but I've kind of you know been been aware of you on the on the interwebs and uh, yeah. Twitter when you were on Twitter and so <laughs> yeah. it's sort of stalking you from afar sorry going, you might have been tweeting me all the past year and I haven't <laughs> I'm also not very good on it yeah so so it's, it's been a real pleasure to see your idea your dream really start to take wing and so I just oh, hope that you. it continues flying in the direction you want it to yeah. and growing as it has been and if you want to plug anything in particular obviously we've mentioned the book it yeah. feels like yeah, yeah. people should go out and buy the book yeah, yeah. Where, where can they buy the book I know you can buy it on Amazon but you can also buy it on goodandproperty.com and if you do it's signed so that's pretty great yeah. as well as lots of lovely tea you can buy online and tea sets yeah all the things you hopefully need to make a cup of tea yeah so fill, fill your boots and yeah. get down to the store uh, yeah. well sorry the tea bar yeah. in Clerkenwell and um I think you mentioned you do kind of experiences there as well. Yeah, we um, do tea tasting once a month. Um, and we're always doing workshops and kombucha workshops and, you know, sometimes meditation workshops. So maybe mm. we'll have to team up and do one of them. Amazing. Um, yes, please. So, yeah, lots of lots of things. So just stalk our website and there's a What's On page and you can see what we're up to. Amazing. And if they want to follow you on Instagram. Instagram good and Property. So, Emily, thanks so much. Thank you so uh, much for really, really me. enjoyed this. Yeah. And let's do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Over a cup of tea. Hey, folks, it's Ryan here. I want to say a big thank you for joining for this episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show, rate and share it with a friend. And support this show by supporting our sponsor and head on over to Levitate at www.levitate.london. And a big thank you to today's guest, Emily Holmes and also the composer of the show's theme, Nick Nell. And until next time, take care of yourself, and I'll see you back here for another episode of Levitate with Ryan Nell.